scripture reading today will come from John chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. That starts on page 960 in the Bibles in front of you. John 19, 23-27. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was wet without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lot for it, whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. And again, if you're a guest, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we want to be an encouragement to you. And to all of you mothers, happy Mother's Day. God made a wonderful, wonderful gift to mankind when he designed the pattern and the design of motherhood. And we're thankful for those that, that are our mothers and, and even those who are like mothers to us. You know, many of us would think back to maybe our favorite teacher in school. And, and one reason why she was our favorite teacher, if it was a woman, was probably because she was and had mother-like qualities. Uh, many of us had friends that, that were close friends and their mothers kind of took us in and, and they were a type of mother to us also. God blesses us with this design of motherhood that nurtures and loves and serves. This past uh, weekend, I sent out a, an email to about 75 of you and, and we're not going to be able to, to uh, read all of the replies and responses, but I'll just give you some excerpts from, from a few of them. I ask, uh, what are two or three things that you love about your mother? And especially, how has she stood by your side through the years? Did you notice that in our text this morning? Now there, by the side of the cross of Jesus, was his mother. Isn't that amazing sentence? By the cross, his mother. Mothers have a way of staying with us. And for that, we're blessed. Jason Haley said, she's always available when we needed her. No questions asked. Pat Hackney said, she's outstanding cook. I loved her biscuits and fried chicken. She prayed for me on a daily basis. She made sure that I attended worship. Shirley Clegg talks about the time that Mike was in a life-threatening accident and she, Mary Lou Banna, her mother, flew uh, to her immediately and spent uh, weeks with her in a tiny room in the Ronald McDonald house and they kneeled in the floor and they prayed together for God uh, to save Mike's life. And she says, the strength and the example and the love showered on me my whole life will never be forgotten. James Whitaker speaks of Uh, many things about his mother and his grandmother. And he says, my mother and grandmother instilled confidence in me. They both were encouraging and praising me my entire life. Griff said, my mother was a fun-loving person who profoundly shaped my personality. 
She taught me the value of taking care of family. And he described how she took care of her brother when he was burned and uh, would go eight hours a day and sit in the hospital for a solid year. And he also spoke about her loyalty to the Lord's church. Also written about Carolyn Eakes, and we're not for sure if this was from Mike or for Tony. The email wasn't clear, the address on it. And uh, I have a guess it might be Mike. But it says, three things I love about my mother. Number one, she can cook the best biscuits and gravy in the world. Number two, she can cook the best turkey and dressing in the world. And number three, she can cook the best strawberry pie in the world. He says, I'm just kidding. But truly, three things I love about my mother. I love about my mom that she made sure I was always Uh, in church when I was growing up. Number two, she always puts everyone else before herself. And then he said, number three, I'm not lying about the biscuits and gravy. She makes the best biscuits and gravy in the world. Uh, But for some reason, she doesn't do it as much anymore. But when she does, the golden child, Tony, eats them all. (laughs) Donna Chris, a few excerpts from her, she says, there are many son-in-laws that wish their wife was more like uh, her mother. But Mark wishes just that. My mother's known for a gentle spirit and wisdom. Uh, she's our greatest cheerleader. She taught us to always do the right thing and let your heart catch up later. She taught us to look for good in everyone and everything. And then she says just a few fun facts about mom. She thinks vinegar cures everything. She skipped the second grade. She can whistle through her teeth. She can ride a bicycle backwards and she's first cousin with Porter Wagner. Abby Hyde's says about her mother, I love everything about my mother, not to be cliche, but I love and admire my mother's love for her family, her extreme patience and passion for children, grandchildren, her constant encouragement, whether it's through phone calls, letters, or small little surprises that she may bring. Jamie Gillespie says about his mother, he says, a mother's love is truly a blessing from God. Throughout my life, my mom has loved me unconditionally. When I was small, she was my den mother in Cub Scouts. When I started playing football, I knew she was by my side because I could hear her in the stands. And as I've grown from a boy to a man, she's still there for me whenever I need her. Even raising two daughters, I lean on her for advice and taxi service and listening ear. And not too long ago, you may recall, she was by my side when I entered the waters of baptism. I love my mother. She's amazing. Carrie Smith said... Mothers are the glue that keeps families together. Nothing sweeter than a mother's love. A mother's kiss cures everything. Mothers are precious creations. Lindsay McPherson says about her mother, she's a strong woman who got her strength from her faith in her father. She had an innate ability to see the needs of others and wanted very much to help them. She was an encourager. And Lindsay tells about going to college and she attended Freed Hardman and she only knew one other person on campus and she thought that she'd made the wrong decision. She was so lonely uh, and scared while she was there, but she said her mother would write her twice a week and every Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. she would give her a call. And any of you that lived, um, you haven't lived before cell phone days, you don't understand this, but it makes sense to the rest of us. And... um, and then she, she concluded that by saying, uh, she gave me roots, but also gave me wings. Jason Tucker says, she's completely selfless. She never thinks about her needs until everyone else is taken care of. David Burke says, yep, when dad said no, mom always comforted by saying, let me talk to him. 
A mother sees the good in every situation, loves unconditionally, opens the world of opportunities to a young mind, a great encourager. Casey Maddox says, I love that my mother makes me laugh. I love that she's selfless and would do anything for me. And I love that she's the best friend and we can talk about anything. Joe Brown says she's always sees the good in everything. Albert England says she taught us to read our Bible from a very early age. Hoyt Smith said about his mother, I discovered throughout all the years when mom says, I love you, son. I know she sincerely, honestly, and always means it. Clint McCullough said about his mother, What I love about my mother is that she never gave up on me and my two brothers. My father died when I was age one. Together with two older brothers, we were a handful. But my mom was resilient and raised us with as much love as two parents. Now that I have a son and another one on the way, I have a tremendous respect for her and the sacrifice that she has made for me. Renee Lawson Brown says, My mother has always been the epitome of a Christian mother and wife. And she writes on, and then she says, At age 27, my husband was killed in an accident. And I now have two to- I then had two toddlers to raise alone. My mother stood by my side, providing encouragement and guidance in how to raise Christian young men and give me the benefits of years of her experience. She has taught me to pray daily, communicate with God, and trust in Him with all my cares. I always know I can depend upon my mother, and she'll never, and she will forever be the one who will be there no matter what I need. How very blessed I am to have a Christian mother. All of us perhaps have our stories of either our mother or someone who was like a mother to us. Maybe it was a grandmother, maybe it was some woman, but most of us had someone that has touched our life in a profound way and we realize it's just a part of God's design. We're not minimizing it, we're praising God for it. It's a wonderful gift. And the text that was read today from our study this month of the Gospel of John, wasn't it interesting that that we see scenes that are so different? You have Jesus the Christ, the glorified one, being crucified. Historians say that by this time, there may have been as many as 30,000 crucifixions in the Jerusalem and Judea area. How common would crucifixion be? Can you imagine going out on a regular basis and looking over a hillside and seeing crosses with individuals dying, but even more so, can you imagine that being your job where every day, you go to crucify someone. Now we start getting a vision of the text that's been capably read. There were men there, they were soldiers. It was their job to crucify individuals. And you have to ask yourself, did they miss something? How could this be? The Christ was being crucified and and they're over here to the side and they're dividing up the garments. Well, over here's his mother at the foot of the cross. Here's other people that loved him dearly. Wouldn't they take the garments and fold them nicely? And wouldn't they make a very honorable presentation and say, we wanted to return his belongings to you? No. No. These men instead, they divided the garments until they came to that one piece of garment that was the inner garment that didn't have a seam in it. And that amazed them. And they saw that there was value in it and they weren't going to cut it into pieces. And so they cast lots. It's kind of like that advertisement that was on TV where the the tourists are on the cruise ship and 
Everyone's waiting for the great white whales to, to come out of the water and leap out of the water. And, and, and this one amateur photographer, he's messing with his camera and, and the whale makes this beautiful presentation and all the cameras are clicking and, and everybody is excited. And, and then at that moment, after it's finished, he looks up and he sees the excitement on everybody's face and he says, did I miss something? That's one of those moments. If, if you're standing off to the side, you, you would have to look at the soldiers and say, do you not get it? Do you not see what you're missing? You're not crucifying a criminal. You're crucifying the only perfect individuals ever lived. You're not crucifying just a man. You're crucifying God in flesh. This is the Savior of the world. But they missed it. They missed it. They were in reach of him. They were in view of him. And they missed him. Mary didn't. She didn't miss him at all. And she didn't miss out from the very beginning that we start reading about her. Mary didn't miss him. Look back, if you will. And I would like for you to scan with me for just a few minutes a few passages out of the beginning of the book of Luke. And then we'll come back and we'll close out our text in John, the 19th chapter this morning. In Luke, the first chapter, we think about Mary's relationship with her son, Jesus. And you remember, beginning at verse 26, we start reading the story how the angel Gabriel was sent to give Mary the message that she would have a son. She was told not to fear She had found favor in the sight of God. What a compliment for a young woman. And then she began in in a sense, not really to protest, but to examine. How could this be? I have not known a man. And then she was reminded with God, all things are possible. And then we come to verse 38. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. She's calling herself the maidservant. She wasn't recognizing herself as a royal queen. She wasn't recognizing herself as the one that that everybody ought to serve her. She called herself a servant, a female servant. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What do we learn about Mary from our first introduction of her? We read about this woman who was humble. This woman who had a servant's heart. This woman who had found favor in the sight of God. This woman that when God asked her to make many sacrifices in her life, she was ready to say, God, let your word be done in my life. What a blessing for any of us. We don't miss it whenever we have a heart that says, let your word be done in my life. Do you remember that this shepherds came when Jesus was born? Do you remember the announcement they had seen from the angels? And can you imagine men gathering around and and telling you that they had heard the angels say things like, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men? And so we come down to Luke, the second chapter, and we see in verse 16 that the shepherds come into Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And they spoke of and about Jesus. And in 18, all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. 
Notice verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary's doing some thinking. There's something happening in my life with this child. It carries with it great responsibility. And with great responsibility often carries great challenges. And just at that moment that everything seemed almost perfect, do you remember times like that in your life? Where it just felt like everything was coming together? And then? You see, perhaps for her, the and then began when Jesus was eight days old. Tradition, law, was that he must be circumcised. A male Jewish son. And so he's taken... Simeon meets Joseph and Mary. And later on in that very same chapter of Luke, the second chapter of Luke, notice he says in 28, talking of Simeon, he says, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now I want you to imagine being the young Mary and Joseph and seeing a man that is going to prophesy as he holds your son in his arms. And this is what he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He's looking at Jesus. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, Joseph and Mary in verse 33, they marveled when he spoke these things. Can you imagine that? Our, our little boy, he's, he's going to be salvation. But notice, he then, Simeon then, looked to Mary, his mother. And he said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. And then we have this parenthetical phrase. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You remember Mary now is in a mindset of taking things to heart. She's pondering things. What did Simeon mean by this? Everything has seemed so blessed at this point. What sword is going to pierce my soul? You remember when he was 12 years old? Later in this same chapter, we have that quick account of him being 12 years old and remaining back in Jerusalem after the Passover because he wanted to talk to the scholars and, and, and spend more time with them. And finally, after three days of searching, they find Jesus, that is Mary and Martha. They find him and says at the end of 48... In the second chapter of Luke, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And look here at 50, we read, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. In 51, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. 
But let's go back now. Now that we have this in just kind of laid out as some things that, that we see, let's go back again to that phrase. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. What did this mother see? A mother's eyes and a mother's heart. Go back to that scene now at the cross. Oftentimes, I'm not sure exactly why, we envision the cross as a cross that, that maybe would be 15 or 20 feet high. And, and we envision perhaps his mother there and, and way up high, out of reach is her son. And that's really not historical. We don't know for sure, but history would paint a picture more like that the cross would have the feet of Jesus only about three feet off the ground. So here's his mother right by his side. And what have her eyes seen? What have her ears heard? And how sharp was that sword that pierced her soul? She'd seen her son pierced. She'd seen his back ripped open. She'd seen the thorns pierce through his skin. She'd seen her son fall beneath the weight of the cross. She'd seen her son gasp for breath as nails had pierced his hands and feet that was holding him affixed between earth and heaven. She'd seen it. She'd heard it. She'd felt the sword pierce her soul. Don't you know that her mind went back 33 years to watching Simeon hold her little boy and look at her and say, a sword's going to pierce your soul. And she knew that day exactly what he meant. But what did Jesus see? It wasn't just the mother that day that was feeling and seeing and having concern. It was also the son. And it's kind of amazing that you can have this horrific scene of a crucifixion. It's almost like an action film, if you will, where, where everything is, is moving in, in such a way that, that is so terrible and so dark, but then there's, there's almost like this pause in it. There's this pause where, where this man has been mistreated and he's been scourged and he's been persecuted and now he's being crucified, that slow agonizing death. And in the midst of all of this, there's a spiritual battle taking place. If Satan was going to win, he needed Jesus to sin before he died. Jesus was to be the perfect sacrifice. If Jesus would have sinned while dying on the cross, he would not have been the perfect sacrifice. Can you imagine how Satan was opening the floodgates? He was putting everything out that he could. And in the midst of this spiritual battle. All that Jesus had lived for was to come to this earth and die. 
He had previously looked toward this moment and he said, my hour has come. Salvation rests upon his shoulders for mankind. And what does he do? He looks down from the cross and he sees his mother. And he looks over to one of his closest friends, John. And there, the way we would say it in our words today, he would say, Mother, I want John to be like a son to you. And John, I want you to take care of her as if she's your mother. How can that happen? carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders in extreme pain and literally dying. And what's his concern? I'd like for you to think about this in this way. Sometimes we look at the attributes of the Godhead and they are beautiful and strong. Isn't it interesting that when God became flesh, it's those same attributes that we see in Him as a man. Jesus. He was God on earth. He was the Savior of mankind. He's the head of the church. He's coming again to receive everyone that is a child of God and deliver them to the Father. But in the midst of all of that, he had an earthly mother. And he cared for his earthly mother. This morning as we close this lesson, I want to ask you what have we learned I'd like for us to take away from this lesson many things, but especially I'd like for us to learn a lesson from each one of these characters. From the soldiers, you can be at the foot of the cross and still miss the Christ. Just because you're religious, just because you've known Him at one time, it doesn't necessarily mean that He changes your days today. The soldiers were there business as usual. And perhaps that's one of our greatest flaws. We go into too many days living business as usual. When we ought to see Christ in every day. But number two, what can we learn from Mary? A pure soul should not turn us away from the Christ. God doesn't promise us a journey on this life with no pain and no suffering and no challenges and no difficult days. But what He does promise 
is to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Pain and hurting should not drive us away from God. It is the love for God that should drive us to Him. But finally, what do we learn from Christ? There's never a time when it's appropriate to not see the hurt and needs of others. Living outside of ourself. Jesus Christ came to this earth. And every step in His journey, He lived looking outward. What He could do to be a blessing to others. This morning, the greatest blessing that we have from any mother or any person in our life is to be able to describe them like Mary. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, my mother, my father, my sister, my friend, my wife, my children, my grandparents, my grandchildren. Listen, if we really want to bless the lives of others, there's nowhere else to stand but by the cross of Jesus. This morning, if we can help you in any way, move closer to the Christ that was on that cross If you're ready to be immersed into Him, I'd be restored to Him. If we can help you, come as we stand and as we sing.